So we're there. just going to start off here with the pre-show. We're going to have a beer. You guys can split this can, and Greg and I will split this can. Are we going? Yeah, we're going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't usually nor- I don't use a soundboard on the main show, and actually I haven't used a soundboard a lot at all. Uh, I think we we had one show, one show where I really jumped. Yeah, I don't the know why you like the soundboard so much. You're you know you're so. It seems so juvenile, and you're usually so anti-juvenile about things. I, <laughs> I don't know why you about, like the soundboard so much. I don't know. There's something... I guess I'm more in a silly mood these days. Okay. It, it's, it's that kind of year. It's a year where <laughs> I kind of need silliness, because every, everyone who listens to the show knows that I don't like arbitrary you know, things, and I've, mm-hmm. I've, even like dividing things into years to me is just it's, it's an arbitrary notion, but still, it, it feels... Right from from a standpoint, from our like cognitive standpoint, and this year has like just been one crazy messed up year. Yeah. So people listening, we have two guests here. We have Matt and Joe. They're working on starting up the country's first beer museum, and we'll get into the formal introduction in the main show. But they're going to sit in on the show, guest host the show, and we're going to talk about their project. Say hi, guys. Hey. Thank you all for having us. Oh, sure thing. Glad to be here. Yep. So the pre-show, we're drinking a beer from Summit. We did this on the show a couple weeks ago, so we're just getting rid of the rest of the samples. This is their uh, one of the 30th anniversary uh, brews, the West London-style ale. We normally don't talk and describe the pre-show yeah. beer. We talk about other but you fun can, but things. But you can feel free to. It's kind of a, a hoppier uh, ESB. Uh, a, little, a little more bitter than I'm used to for, for a typical ESP style. And um, mm-hmm. it's a little cold, too, so certainly not what you would expect. Now, out of it. Uh, what distinguishes a West London ale from an East London or North <laughs> London or South London ale? You might have to ask the guys at Summit for that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We don't get enough pub ale, you know, here to, yeah. for me to really know that intuitively. You know, I could look it up and and kind of parrot this stuff but you know just because we don't get enough of that i don't know the regions of london so you guys much. have strong connections over in the uk with uh, with brewers over there or have you have you done a lot of british beers not so nope. much nope. um i mean the problem is that imports are usually so old that it's you know it's navigating a minefield trying to get good beers at the store and out of country brewers just can't send us beer you know it's illegal yeah. to send beer across the international border so um there's no way to really get us beer on the show i'm sure we could go out and try to buy crusty old samples off the shelf at the six-pack shop but mm-hmm. you know with, now that we know what old beer tastes like you know when we first started the show back in 2005 we did a fair amount of imports at the time but the beers on the shelves were so very different at the time there was I, when we first started, my goal was to try every new bar beer that came into the market, and it was an attainable goal at that time. <laughs> Could you imagine trying to do that these days? There's probably ten beers that come into the city every day. You know, there's just no way that you could try everything. Right. It it was a different different uh, landscape entirely when we started the show. Well, so I, I'm curious. I don't want to sort of take over your guys. I'm sure. No, by all means, doing, but I, I'm curious. You guys take on where alcohol regulation is going in Pennsylvania and what that means for the beer drinker in our state. We're definitely going to talk about the the 11th hour law that was just passed through the yeah. state house in the right. show because, I mean, that thing wasn't even on anyone's radar the last time we did a show. Mm-hmm. And now it's 
going to be signed by the governor real soon. So. It is. It, yeah, he said he said he's going to sign it. So, uh, which is, are you familiar with that the new one? I mean, loosely. I mean, I, I've heard about the six pack. Yeah, it's, it's basically going to turn beer distributors into bottle shops. They'll be able to fill growlers. They'll be able to sell single beers the if they the choose. World, right? It. And kind wine, of, right? And it, some wines, yeah, too. It kind of stinks for the tavern owners that are running bottle shops with their tavern licenses. But, you, you, you know, and one, part of the reason that we'll talk about, probably mention this again in the main show, but part of the reason the Pennsylvania liquor code is so messed up is because everyone's trying to protect the ground that they already had, right? So we got all these stupid laws that are all piecemeal. They don't make any collective sense together. So this new law change does kind of screw the current bottle shop owners. They can just turn their places into distributors. They can, but uh, so I, I don't know whether they're comp- how legitimate their complaints are. But basically, they're going to complain that they've lost a ton of value in their licenses. Probably say something along the lines of a beer distributor license is cheaper than a tavern license or something like that. So now these guys are getting into the game for a discount. You know that kind of you're going to hear all kinds of stuff like that. I, I, I think that's inevitable because anytime you and I guess I, I'll probably I'll save a little bit of, of my remark on this for the show. But anytime, anytime you get into a, a business where the whole idea of the business is you're filling in for a spot where lawyers are eventually going to cover that spot over you should recognize that that's going to be a limited time business that's not going to be something that's going to last forever right. so you can't be like oh the, you're you're getting rid of my business model when my business model was based on the fact that you couldn't do this for a while so is that that's referring to the current bottle shop owners that's good the, the current yeah the current bottle shop owners people have yeah. a tavern license where they, they make you know they they make them sell hot dogs on yeah on site in order so they, so they can sell uh um six packs the, the reason that that really got i think the reason why this went forward is because all the grocery stores started to get into it because they right. said oh, well we we have lots of food on site so we can make food on site and we can have a little tavern mm-hmm. separately and that made the tavern license something of uh of, of a weird of a weird thing that it became like okay well if grocery stores are getting involved let's let's just, let's just let the, the the beer distributors get involved right. in this because the beer distributors got squeezed out, right? The grocery stores got mm-hmm. into it, and they they well, that, that's definitely it, right? I mean, that's why the law changed from cases of twelve packs last year, right? Is because the beer distributors were looking for some relief from the tavern license owners, figuring out that they didn't have to run a traditional bar, but they could run the six packs, or you know, that grocery stores could buy a tavern license and do what they were doing. So. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been to some uh, some six pack places where uh, they technically were supposed to have hot dogs and they had the little roller things, <laughs> but there were no actual dogs on the you know on the machine. Or yeah, I, I've seen the <laughs> where they I've seen the food requirement be. Um, it's fifty. You have to have fifty meals. You have, you have, you yeah. have, to have enough enough meals to account for all the seats you have. And that means that you could just have 50 packs of ramen in the back. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, normally, that's not... Uh, I mean, that, that's really kind of skating by. So some people did, like, put hot dogs in. And also tried to... Maybe, hey, hot dogs are really cheap. We can sell... We can, we can really upsell these a lot if we just make um, make people I buy... I mean, the newer, the newer business model is to someone else bring the food in. Right. right? Yeah. A food truck or... When I was at Dry Log, they... Didn't have their kitchen going, but you know, they're like order pizza, whatever you want, you know. So, yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it's weird. I'm not sure of all the. You have to get a lawyer in here to tell you all the 
the legal stuff around it. But it's good to see that some of these legal things are, are being uh, thrown away in the favor of, well, I mean, look, it's just economic growth. It, yeah. it's, it's more useful to, to not have these ridiculous laws. Yeah, I think the bottom line is I think it does favor the consumer, right? Gives us more choices, more opportunities, mm-hmm. more places to buy from, more competition. So as long as that stays in the marketplace, um, we're doing well with that. Actually, saw a beer distributor on Facebook today asking, you know, in with this pending legislation coming, we're going to be modernizing. We're going to be turning ourselves into a bottle shop with singles and draft beer and growlers. What are the things that are most important to you? You know, and a lot of the replies were fresh beer. You know, don't have twenty four taps that are, are eighteen of them are three weeks, five weeks, mm-hmm. a month and a half old. You know, I'd rather have four or six taps that are turning all the time. You know, and my my thing was a crowler machine. I think crowlers are yeah great, but so much better than growlers because they just seal better and they mm. last. So uh, you know, um, clean draft lines. People are talking about you know just basically doing it with passionate beer care Doing in with mind, vigor. putting the vigor into it. putting your yeah <laughs> putting your best foot forward in this stuff. But I mean, that's a beer distributor that's not just. Oh boy, I can compete with the taverns now, but oh boy, I can create a new kind of store in Pennsylvania, it sounded like, you know, where mm-hmm. it would be comparable with some of these package stores in other states that, you know, really cater to the consumer. Yeah. Well, so what's the story on Pennsylvania import regulation and how that compares to other states? There was something in the law about import regulation. It had to do with the beers. I don't know whether that was just in Pennsylvania or whether that was national. Because there was, it used to be you couldn't send beer to people. Period. Uh, there was something in the law that something about home beer. delivery. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure yeah, what I, it was. I think it's a 96 ounce limit per delivery is how they've set it up. But is that national or is that local? Is that like Pennsylvania only, or is that you're allowed to get there from any brewery nationally? And that's coming from outside the state. So oh, okay, okay, so well, there's ways to actually. Yeah. But you might, okay, so, so that, that opens up the the beer of the month club and yes. all those other things. And I think yeah. that was the intent. Yeah. Wonder if there's still a way to boot like bring beer back from another state and pay your tax, you know, fair share taxes. Because <laughs> there's no legal way if you go to Ohio, go to vintage estates and buy a bunch of beer and bring it back and say you want to stay above board and say I bought this <laughs> stuff in Ohio and I want to pay my fair Pennsylvania use tax. Um, there's no way to remit that tax. You know, you can't do it. Because it's illegal to bring back. Yes, well, it is illegal, volume. and there's you, you cannot buy a beer in Ohio and bring it to Pennsylvania. That's against the law. Nobody's ever done that. No, no, yeah. <laughs> no. especially not around no, we, Philly. We would never have done something. Not around, not around Philly when you have you know Delaware with great beer and wine and liquor stores, and Philly right across the river with you know horrible rules. Just so. like I've never gone into Ohio and gotten fireworks and brought them here. Yeah, never. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Do you know uh, Ted Zeller? He's the uh, lawyer for the Brewers Association of Pennsylvania. No, Fred, uh, don't. He might. Uh, if you're interested, I can put you in touch. He might be a guy you'd. Oh, we'd love to. Absolutely, something. yeah. Great to get a, yeah. an idea of what these new regulations yeah. have in store. He's a good guy, and he's right on top of it all. You know, like we said, we're not a big Pennsylvania show. Right. We are Pennsylvania guys. So yeah. We're <laughs> yeah, we care. And yeah, there's a handful <laughs> of listeners yeah. that care. <sighs> So, Jeff, you recently had some surgery. I did. I had arthroscopic knee surgery last Friday. and uh, You're up and walking, so. I am. I am about where I was the day before surgery. Okay. So, hopefully it keeps getting better from there. The thing was, I don't remember what the doctor told me, right? Because I was coming out of anesthesia, 
and he talked to me and he was halfway through explaining to me by the time Heather got there and Heather didn't recognize any of the terms he used uh-huh. so she doesn't remember what he said so now I gotta wait till Wednesday when I have my follow up appointment to figure out what <laughs> my like prognosis is you should have uh, recorded on your phone or something <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I so here's like here's what my mental uh, mindset was my, my surgeon is the orthopedic surgeon for the Pittsburgh Pirates you know so like well known in the city and whatnot. And he said, you have an 80% chance of full recovery. I think he said full recovery, but it really got blurred out there because as soon as he said 80% chance, I'm like, so there's only a four in five chance or I could be the one out of five that doesn't recover. Hmm. Like, and I was like hung up on that little fact right there and didn't hear the rest of what he said. <laughs> like I wanted better than well, you're coming out of surgery. So you yeah. have all that weird stuff yeah. going on. Here but that's what I hooked on was yeah. the 80%. Yeah. And like, that doesn't sound very good for the pirate surgeon. <laughs> well, I, I, I assume the implication is eighty percent of chance without us doing anything else, as yeah. opposed to like if something else, if something bad would happen, they could probably fix it, but it just would mm-hmm. be more more work, more uh, yeah. I mean, uh, more going in there and like I said, things feel about where they were before surgery. So hopefully they just heal up and I can get back to uh, you know. Doing the activities I want to do. Any kind of cool exercises they have you do? I don't have any rehab or anything yet. Really? No, I just said what? Like, not yet. Yeah. yeah. You have no PT? Not yet. I don't know. If maybe it's, maybe they're waiting for you. So I, I didn't have any ligament damage. Uh, I thought maybe it was a torn meniscus, but it wasn't. So I'm not sure. He cleaned up some arthritis in there. I, he said, I thought he said something about bone on bone, but I don't know what he... What, I don't remember anything else about that. Um, so I don't know. He said that I'd be on crutches for three days and uh, be back to normal like one to two weeks. But uh, maybe you know, like I said, like so, it's been a week and two days, and I'm back to where I was just prior to surgery, oh, more or less. Great. But you know, I still can't. Oh, I haven't been really. The PT is going to be start using it on stairs and things like that, right? You start using it to stand up. You know, I'm still taking it pretty easy with the the deep knee bend. Well, he said no deep knee bends, but yeah, that's about it's still that, that's all within 7 to 10 days. That's pretty yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, I think if I, you know, if I had a torn ACL or something like that, I don't think it would be 7 to 10 days, but for this kind of yeah. thing, just two tiny little holes on my knee with some stitches on them right now, covered right. up with band-aids. My knee still has a lot of fluid in, it's a little swollen. Got this neat little bump on the one incision where it's all gushy and squishy. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Pass on that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep that for the post show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean things went well. Hopefully, I can get back. So uh, I've been playing rag, like pickup soccer at lunch and stuff, uh, and I hurt my knee at first in the spring, and uh, kind of took some time off, see if it would heal, and uh, it was just whenever I would exercise, it would get inflamed, you know. So like, if I didn't exercise, my knee didn't hurt. I guess I should just stop exercising, right? <laughs> uh, so I didn't want to do that. Um, so I went to the doctor finally, and yeah, you know, he went there and scoped it, and hopefully I can play soccer yeah. in the spring. I have some arthritis in my in my neck, but I don't want to mess with it because it's my neck. I really don't <laughs> want to have them fuck with my spine to so deal with it uh, with it in other ways, therapy and drugs and other things, but. Um, yeah, I don't want to do the therapy, but the with uh, or the uh, surgery mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it sounds like you did the right thing with your knee, right? You're working on the beard treatment for it, basically. basically yeah, 
beer and, and, and uh, other drugs. Um, <laughs> I wanted to show you this because this is we, we talked about. I, I have the new iPhone the seven and has doesn't have the headphone jack, which people mm-hmm. are complaining about. I wanted to show this to Jeff and, and describe it for listeners. I can show it to you too. This is how I got around that. This is a little Bluetooth. Headphone receiver, like headphone jack. So like instead 12, of using a fifteen bucks, and, and it's uh, instead of using a dongle, it's just a Bluetooth headset with a jack on it. Yeah. A mini hockey puck. Yeah, it's about. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit larger than a than uh, a silver dollar. To take a, a USB USB headset too, or just... uh, it, you can put in. No, it doesn't have a USB thing. It has a uh, just a lightning hand, the lightning mm-hmm. thing. So it doesn't have. Yeah, there's there's no like. Lightning to USB converter that I know of that will allow you to do a headset. Yeah, no, they but, want you to use. They make lightning headphones now yeah. and wireless Bluetooth. And, yeah, and they have. There's a little dongle, dongle that has a uh, that is a, a mini jack, mini headphone jack like on this. But this is easier, mm-hmm. I think. Just you know, there it is. It's right there, and, and then you can actually. Do you have to have really long head heads, uh, really long uh, wires or anything? Because it's right there with you. Mm-hmm. I'm going on a. I'm, I'm flying down to. Um, Texas uh, tomorrow for work, so I'm going to be there until Thursday. Uh, South Padre, which is I've never been to South Padre Island, which is right off the coast of the very bottom tip of the uh, Texas Peninsula, so like right uh, like south of Corpus Christi, like hmm. literally like I don't know ten miles from the border. So I think it'll be nice and and uh, warm there. Yeah, probably <laughs> in the eighties. So should be should be nice, but I'm gonna you know lots of plane flying, and so I'm gonna have a mm-hmm. lot of listening to do on the way. So, so what what's your playlist for the flight? A lot of podcasts generally. I'm not a huge music, not terribly into music, but uh, if that's not all the always the case, I listen to most music when I drove down to Maryland. I listened to a lot of Frank Black. I listened to actually listened to Hamilton uh, soundtrack. I listened to. Uh, what else I listen to? Frozen soundtrack. No, I'm not a huge musical guy. I just like I like Hamilton a lot. Um, I, I I know a lot of musicals because there's a whole story back like when I used to my parents used to drive with me and my sister up to New York every like twice a year, and they'd always play all these musicals that they loved and all these really old Beatles, which is why I don't like the Beatles that much because they used to play all the old, you know, I want to hold your hand mm-hmm. era stuff, and I just was like. I got sick of them real quick, real fast. Uh, and I, I learned all these musicals, like Annie, Get Your Gun and Les Mis and all this stuff, but I started to really hate musicals. <laughs> well, so do you have any favorites that, have, that bubbled up to the top? Of? It, uh, of musicals. Of musicals. In terms of the music. It, well, I think Hamilton is excellent. Yeah. Um, in terms of music, I mean, I think Les Mis is a fantastic musical. Um, let's see. What else? Uh and I have the Book of Mormon just because I think it's it's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wasn't a big fan of Into the Woods. I don't. I mean, I'm not a musical guy, but I do like Hamilton. Yeah, I, you know, just it's just good music. I mean, yeah. I'm sure other ones are good music too. Oh yeah, I'm not, I, I generally don't like show tunes, and you know, Hamilton has more of that, you know, urban you know type mix to it. So it's. Uh, doesn't come. There's some show tune How about tracks you, in there, but are you thinking of any in particular? I, I don't. But my my um my little story here. I, so I I have not heard Hamilton. I've heard nothing but good reviews of it. But Book of Mormon, I think, is a fantastic show. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to see it, I, I went with a friend who is uh, as equally um, sacrilegious as I am. 
Um, and, you know, when the show finished, the whole audience, you know, stood up and a raucous applause. But the two folks in front of us, who were probably in their mid-60s, uh, sat there stone-faced as the rest of us were doing a, a rounding, you know, standing applause. I don't know if they didn't know what they were getting into or what exactly. It's, but uh, It's such a joyous production, even yeah. if you are a, a religious person. I mean, I, I've heard from religious people who, are, who loved it. Because yeah. it, it's not about religion is terrible, even Mormonism is terrible. It's more about... Um, People are the issue, and yeah. if we get you know if we get around those people, they, and and of course they put a lot of bad words in there. Sure, to, to, because it's. Uh, I, I I am a believer that Matt and Trey are, are some of the great prophets of our time. I think that they're <laughs> I think that their approach to the things that matter in life is just spot on, I and mean, they're all yeah. about personal responsibility. Uh, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of your community, and the fact that Americans don't do that is what creates so many of our problems. Um, I you know they're crass and whatever, but I, I I'm a very big believer in what those guys do. I think they're probably the preeminent sort of satirists of our time. They're totally. the ones who are like they're the I guess the the best analogy would be they're kind of the um, the Marx Brothers of their time. They're yeah, really, the, the 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 court jesters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on point and, and their stuff is going to stick around. It's, it's not it's not the stuff that you know is there for for a few day, for a few years and sure. fades away it's stuff that's i mean they've been doing south park for 20 years and it's still good remember it, chewbacca <laughs> I don't think Jeff has watched any of the new seasons. Oh, uh, come on. doesn't know the member berries. But like, they're, they're still on point. You look at something like you know The Simpsons, which has been around forever, but it's not. It has its ups and downs, obviously, and there are some things you can point to. This is a good episode in this season, but it's not like every season is great stuff. You can count on them to make good stuff. So I'm with you on them. I just I don't watch South Park as much at, you know, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Who's, who's who's your favorite satirist, or who are some of your favorite satirists oh, of America? I don't know. I don't know if I'm really put much thought into it. Or, or okay, make to make it less less specific. Who are your favorite comedians, or what you know, what what what, what kind of comedy do you enjoy? Um, well, we're talking about you know, I don't know satirists, but I mean, I think John Oliver's doing some great stuff on sure. last week tonight. Mm-hmm. I think he's yeah. really doing some fantastic stuff there. Um. <laughs> on spot all of a sudden uh, I like uh, Scott Ackerman and, and all stuff that the, the comedy Bang Bang I don't okay. know uh, I mean the, the, a lot of my comedy uh, stuff I, I like the the sort of LA improv scene so the UCB you know that's a uh, Matt Besser and Amy Poehler and um, people like Lauren Lapkus and uh, um, who's on how, uh, Paul Shear and Jason Manzukas. who's the guys mm-hmm. how do you, do yeah. you like that show? I like Manzukas a lot yeah yeah um, so these are all guys who are sort of in that uh, West Coast. You'll see them on Conan a lot and uh, other things and uh, podcasts like Comedy Bang Bang. Okay, uh, that I like a lot. Um, not I. I was. I mean, I think Louis C.K. does have a great stand-up show, but I thought I, I kind of got a little sick of his television show. Felt to be like, okay, you're, it's getting too maudlin for my taste. Yeah, same want, stick. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think of other like other comedians who. You know, I'm definitely a, I'm a John Oliver fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of, I'm, I miss The Daily Show, I guess, a little more. Anything. I, I miss. I, I haven't watched much of the new Colbert stuff. But I do miss the old Colbert. Report. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Um. So what what happened there? Well, what, he, he had to he had to 
go to CBS. And so you had to make a make something work for CBS, for a middle America yeah. environment than just being... I think it was a mistake for him to do that. And that's a very that's a very strong opinion. But yeah, uh, I, I think that he was rocking and rolling on Comedy Central. Everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. And he wanted to step into a role that was 15 years prior to uh, his age because he believed in it and he respected it. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just, you know, I haven't watched his show. And, and people yeah. people of my ilk are also not watching his show. And I, I, I hate to admit that, but that's kind of reality. Well, I, I think that, though, you have to give it up to the person and say, look, I mean, after how many years was he doing it? Nine years out? He yeah, get, but but, but it's like playing that character. I, I I get it, and it's like it's like the Simpsons. You know, it's the same thing over and over again. But at the same time, it works year after year. It works, like you know, his whatever eighth year of his show is everybody as good as his first year of his show, and people loved it. Um, yeah, and, you know, I, I, I know. There, there's a it, it, that's true, but there's also a value to to moving on and trying new sure. things. Uh, and so I don't want to. And you know what? What South Park has been able to do, I think, is to try new things. Even though you know, the shows stay the same, they're, what they're doing with the show is very different. The 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 style of the show from the very beginning to the style now is very very sure. different show. Even though the you know the principles are the same, so yeah. I think that that you can and you can do that if you have that kind of that kind of control like they have over their show, which I don't know whether Stephen Colbert ever had over his show. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. It, it, it's different things. I I am grateful for the years that he had at the Colbert Report and the occasional things that I see him do are, are great. But um, I'm, I'm willing to sort of let him have let him have his day in the sunset. He he's done he's done enough. I mean, like I, I would say the same about Trey and Matt. They've done enough. They yeah. can keep going if they want to, and I feel more than happy to to indulge them. But you know, if they wanted, well, so who's who's next? Who's next? Yeah, after Trey and Matt, and after Colbert, you know who's who, and you know who's who's coming up next. Well, that is probably a question <laughs> that's not for us. Uh, <laughs> I think that it, like I I watch some things on I watch this thing called Fish Center on Adult Swim. Uh, they it, it's their streaming show. They they stream this show at like four o'clock every day, uh, which is their fish tank, and they have a, a bunch of young kids and and one like guy who's like our age who is. <laughs> And they do basically a radio show um, about silly stuff, and they have quote unquote games where the fish in the tank run over like coins. <laughs> they superimpose that. It's, it's sort of a they, they call it you know it's a, a contest where of course the fish are just swimming around, so they have no idea. So it, it's <laughs> it's this very um, it's almost like a postmodern show. It, it's like it a lot of it has very has nothing to do with the fact that there are fish in it and. and it's it's that kind of thing that, and I'm saying the fish center is the next big thing. I'm saying that's where the new stuff is coming out of the streaming stuff online, and that's where the new voices are going to come out of, and the new the new hip stuff, the new the next great, great satire is going to come out of that sort of thing, out of some YouTube show or out of that sort of thing. Does anybody here uh, follow memes online? Not enough. <laughs> I I spend a solid. 30 minutes plus per day <laughs> wasting my time looking at memes online. So what's the meme that, that has caught your attention recently? Well, I, you know, it, it's, it's there's a site called 9gag. That, do you guys know about this site? No, I never heard of this. Okay, well, well, square. this is great. So I, I learned about this a couple of years ago from a girl over in France, and uh, 
And it, it's just a collection of memes, and it's all sort of crowdsourced and crowd-created. And, you know, it, it's crass and rude and, and whatever, but uh, I, I, I waste a lot of my hours when I should be doing more productive things uh, looking at this site. And I know of, like, Meme Pool, where... And, and or no, that's an older one. I know a Know Your Meme, where you can... Right. If you're if you're confused about something, you see something new, you can find out, like, what the heck is the deal yeah. behind this. And you can get a, a sort of a very dry explanation that won't give you everything, but at least give you enough to, to know what that is. Well, I know. So um, one of my mentors is a high school teacher who teaches um, a speech and communications course at a public high school. And he includes as part of his uh, class students creating memes. Okay. And he's, he's teaching this in a, you know, federal and state funded public institution because this is the way that young people communicate today and i you know i'm i'm not as young as i once was but mm-hmm. uh, you know but this is the uh, the medium in which people express ideas is through it's the church door huh mm-hmm. you know f- philosophy raptor and, and whatever else is out there well, there's a, there's, the, there's the fact that people decry emojis a lot and i'm not a person who is against emojis i think actually that i expect emojis to become part of language in the same way that punctuation has uh, mm. it, it it's going. To, uh, that's what language does. Language well, so which, which emoji are you projecting right now? If, if you had to pick one right now, oh, eggplant, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I um, I really do. I mean, language evolves, and one of the things that I mean, you hear people who are complaining about things like go oh, literally now doesn't mean literally anymore, and you'll hear lots of people complaining about that. And I I admit that I've done that, but I also recognize that the only thing I'm going to be able to do is going to change that. In fact, it's um, fighting against the fact that things evolve is the worst thing you can do because there's just no there's no way around that. So you just got to sort of embrace the fact that these things are evolving and, and let it happen. Um, if you recognize that language is changing and you just sort of go with the flow, you're much more likely to be able to understand what people are talking about as opposed to just you know sticking with oh, but language has to be this, 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 and you're going to be left in the woods when some when somebody says this this thing is great and you're like, well, I can't read it because it's got you know some some pictures in it or some you know it's got a banana here and I don't understand what that's <laughs> yeah. To there's be. a there's a podcast called Reply All. It's kind of like an internet culture podcast. Now, they branch out in a lot of different ways, but they have a segment called Yes, Yes, No, where their producer comes with a tweet that he doesn't understand, and he sees that the two uh, younger, hipper guys that do the show understand the tweets, and they generally do. And I keep, I feel like, you know, I'm not like, unplugged from the internet i've like but i haven't got like i haven't understood any of these yes yes no's that they've had over the last couple years you know it's uh makes me uh humbled in how much current meme zeitgeist i don't know (laughs) at the same time if you if you really think about it there are it's not like every young kid knows every meme there are Mm going to be you know there are ones that they are going to be no and there are ones that they're not going to know but it's just in their Circle in their social circle, they're going to be able to, to figure out the stuff. And we don't have that social circle, so so we have um, we don't have that wide of a net to, to catch these things. So the, we're going to miss the, a few things. The aspect of this that's so exciting to me is that you know when I grew up, my cultural references were all things that were created by you know CBS, Fox, NBC, whatever. Right um, today, the cultural references are things that are being created by individuals in their homes with computers and shared amongst 
you know, this, this crowdsourced audience. And that to me is a wonderful transition where, um, you know, the, the, the references that kids have today, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are still, uh, you know, basic TV shows and whatever that everybody knows, but there's also this other current of much smaller scale personal stuff that is becoming more known generally. And I think that's very exciting. It's the democratization of, of the of information yeah. that the I, internet's I, been promising. I suppose, but I mean, if you think about it, there's always been that undercurrent. There's always been urban legends that were not done by. You know, yeah, but but I but I think that the that the percentage of people that follow it is a lot higher today than it was before. I I think it's an interesting idea. I would like to see though whether that's actually true. And I, I think that that's. I feel that's true. I don't know that sure. that's necessarily true. Because I, I understand the feelings. I, I agree. But I, I also don't know whether that's... Like, if you were to go back uh, 20 years ago and, and talk about certain things, and you, there, there are certain like concepts that, that somehow seem to go through culture without touching any of the networks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, where do those come from? Well, they must have come from the same sort of mechanism. It's just that now the mechanism is, is much more... There's spotlights in the mechanism, so we see it. We see that... Um, that democratization mechanism much more freely because we have much more open access to it. But what was the mechanism before that? Because these things were still being distributed on some level. Yeah, well, and the other aspect is that the the mechanism today is one hundred percent international, or right. you know, ninety yeah. ninety, you know, whatever portion of the world has access to the internet, international. So you know, this nine gag site in particular is it's a mix. There's people from Bangladesh and India and yeah. Germany and South America, and you know, when I grew up. The references that I had were certainly not coming from those parts of the world. Definitely. That's definitely true. The ability to talk to people around the world is a, a game changer. Yeah. Should we go on to the show? I think, I think? Should, Joe's yeah. sitting over there. Why are we talking about beer? <laughs> I thought I was here for beer. Hey, I'm the old guy. I'm the one left out of this discussion. So. <laughs> yeah, let's get on to the main show. Well, right. I'm, I'm excited to try a new beer. So, uh, Oh, this is going to be a good show. I think it's going to be fun.